Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today comes from Matthew chapter 14. We hear verse 14. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So far, our text. Today I have a couple hypothetical scenarios for you, and I want you to think through them and how you might handle each one. I want you to be honest with yourself about what you would truly do in each situation, okay? Scenario number one, you're leaving work, you're tired, it's been a long, stressful day, you're ready for nothing more than just go home, get into comfy clothes, eat some dinner, and spend some time with your family. Just before you reach your car in a parking lot, a stranger walks up to you and says their car won't start, they need a jump. As they point to their car, you see this rust bucket is definitely going to need more than just a quick five-minute jump. In fact, it might take a divine miracle to get this thing running again. So if you agree to help, you might be there a couple hours. The person is looking at you with a desperate plea on their face, and they say, please, will you help me? What do you do? Scenario number two. You're out running errands, and you have an extremely busy weekend coming up with lots of events to attend, and then on top of that, you've got to pile your family in the car and take off for a vacation. Your mind is running a million miles a minute with all the checklists, what to bring to each event, what to pack for each family member, what time you have to leave each thing, how much time do you have to get laundry and other chores done, what needs to be taken care of while you're gone on vacation, and everything else you could possibly be forgetting. While your mind is spinning faster than your tires, you almost don't notice the car next to you flip on their blinker and merge right in front of you. You hit your brakes, safely merge to the other lane and pass them, and do what any human would do. You stare into their window to see who this terrible driver is. Before you can say or do anything, you immediately notice an elderly man who not only looks frazzled and confused, but maybe even physically sick, about to pass out. What do you do? Scenario number three. A friend has asked you to help them move some stuff on a Saturday morning. You cleared your schedule, you're ready to go help them. Well, Saturday morning, just before you head out the door to drive to their place, they call you and tell you that their plans got messed up, they're not able to move it, they'll let you know the new plans when they get it figured out. Now you have a couple free hours to do whatever you want. You start trying to decide, should I mow? Should I finally go fishing? Should I call up a friend and see what they're up to? Or should I just plant my bottom on the couch and veg out for a relaxing morning? What should I do with this gift of extra time? As you're still thinking about it, your phone dings. It's a notification from the church app asking for a volunteer to come help a family from church move an old appliance out of their house and a new one in. You have the time. You were mentally prepared to move stuff that morning anyway. But now that time is your free time. What do you do? Well, our scripture lesson for this morning is not exactly the same as any of these three scenarios, but it is along very similar lines. So let's use this opportunity to see what Jesus would do. Or better said, let's watch and see what Jesus did do. See, Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist died. Now, this news is sure to hit everyone hard because pretty much everybody in that region knew who John the Baptist was. They knew he was doing great things for the kingdom of God. And overall, they just knew he was a great guy. But this news is sure to hit Jesus especially hard. 
it's sure to hit him hard for three reasons. One, John is his cousin. This is a family member who Jesus had been near since they were both in their mother's wombs. Even more than just cousins, John is also the man who baptized Jesus. And now this cousin is dead. Two, this news was sure to hit Jesus especially hard because John didn't die of natural causes. No, he was brutally killed for standing up for what is right. When the king tried to do what God would never approve of, it was John who had the courage to stand up and speak against what he was doing. John was defending the kingdom of God and God's view of the sanctity of marriage. And because John was such a faithful prophet willing to speak against the ways of man for the ways of God, he was murdered for it. All we have to do is go to Acts 7 where Stephen is stoned as the first martyr and see that Jesus isn't sitting at the right hand of God. No, he's standing at the right hand of God. Jesus doesn't take it sitting down when one of his own is killed for doing the, what is right and speaking the truth of God's ways. So we can be sure Jesus took John's murder for being a faithful prophet very serious too. Third, John was the messenger sent to prepare the way for the Messiah a.k.a. Jesus. Now that the preparer is gone, Jesus knows his ministry is fully underway. I mean, yes, Jesus has already gathered his disciples. He's been preaching and teaching, healing and performing miracles already. But the preparer being gone is one more reminder that Jesus' ministry is fully underway, and it's headed to Jerusalem. Jesus knows his ministry is headed to the cross. And John being gone is one major step coming closer to that pinnacle. John's brutal death is one more reminder that Jesus has a painful death waiting for him too. So all of that, grieving his cousin who baptized him, the disheartening truth that another prophet was killed for speaking God's truth, and John's ministry being officially done, serving as a reminder that Jesus' ministry will also come to the point of death. All of that is what's going through Jesus' mind. And so he withdraws to a desolate place to be by himself. Then as he's coming back to shore, probably thinking he'll find his disciples and maybe have a nice quiet day with them and some private instruction, instead he finds a giant crowd of people waiting for him. Now Jesus has a choice. He could have turned the boat back around and went right back to that desolate place because he just wasn't ready to deal with this crowd yet. He could have stayed on the boat and preached to them like he's done before. At least that way he's keeping them at a distance and also has the opportunity to teach them. He could have gone to shore, gathered up his disciples and hit the road saying, we got to go somewhere else. Or he could have come to shore and done a few small miracles just to appease the crowd and then head out. But what do we see Jesus do? We know he's still most likely working through the news of John. He's not expecting the crowds to be there. But instead of avoiding them or sending them away or using John's death as an excuse to just be by himself a little longer, he looks at the crowd and has compassion on them. He puts all of his own thoughts and feelings to the side and sees the need for these people right there in front of him. The need they have for his love, his time, his energy. We see Jesus simply love the people of this crowd in a selfless, compassionate way. Even more than healing their sick as if that weren't enough, he goes above and beyond to take care of them. It's getting to be dinner time, and rather than using that as an excuse to send them away, 
Instead, he performs a miracle to feed every single one of them. Jesus, dealing with grief and the pain of death and the reminder of his own death, sees a crowd of people, has compassion on them, heals them, even takes time to feed them and share a meal with them. That's what we see Jesus do. So quickly going back through our three scenarios, what would Jesus do? Scenario number one, how would Jesus handle that stranger asking him for a jump? Well, not only would Jesus have compassion on them and try to jumpstart their car for them, if a jump wasn't enough to get it going, Jesus would forget about his long day of work, forget that he's tired and just wants to go home, and instead he would call a tow truck and then wait with that person until the truck showed up. Jesus might even go get them something to eat or at least something to drink and then spend that time that they're waiting talking and getting to know that stranger. That's the kind of compassion Jesus would have. Scenario number two, Jesus would see that old man who looks like he might pass out at any second and would have the compassion to follow him. Make sure he doesn't get into any other accident and when the man stopped, go check on him, make sure he's okay. Jesus would forget all the mental lists, all the timelines, the busyness, the craziness of his own life and put that man's health as his main concern. In fact, rather than giving that man a nasty gesture for cutting him off or simply driving away forgetting about the encounter, if Jesus caught up to that man and found that he was ill, Jesus would call him an ambulance, wait with him, maybe even go all the way to the hospital with him until his family arrived so he wouldn't be alone. That's the kind of compassion Jesus would have. Scenario number three, Jesus receiving that notification wouldn't think twice about using that free time to go help those people move out the old appliance and get the new one in. In fact, Jesus would probably spend the whole day there helping that family wire it up, get it working, and making sure they understood every function the new appliance had. Then before leaving, he'd offer to haul the old one to the dump for them. That's the kind of compassion Jesus would have. Normally, when we read this passage from Matthew 14, we automatically go straight to the five loaves and two fish being enough in Jesus' hand to feed the masses and even have leftovers. But today, I wanted to make sure we didn't skip verses 13 and 14. We need to remember what Jesus was going through personally right before this miracle feeding happened because we need to be reminded, especially now during this pandemic and the hostile state of our nation, we need to be reminded what the compassion of Jesus looks like so that we can go out and live that same compassion in our lives. The compassion of Jesus means putting your own life on hold. It doesn't matter whether you're having the worst day of your life, the busiest day, the most stressful or frustrating day, or anything else you could be going through. Compassion means putting your own needs, your own thoughts, emotions, responsibilities off to the side in order to love and help that person standing right there in front of you. And it doesn't matter if that person is a complete stranger, completely different than you, or who they are. The compassion of Jesus looks at that person and sees someone worthy of your time and effort, even more worthy of your time and energy than yourself. Because, see, I'm guilty of this. And I'm guessing you probably are too, which is why I thought today is the perfect reminder for all of us. Because the problem is we get so wrapped up in our own lives, our own little worlds, that we never even see those people standing there in front of us. And even if we do see them, we don't have compassion on them. Instead, we make excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm too busy. 
I don't have time. I can't help them. I don't want to help them. There's other things I'd rather do. My time is too precious. I deserve my free time, etc., etc., etc. And it's all about me, me, me instead of them. Just like that, how many times a day, every single day, do we selfish, sinful people fail to live out the compassion of Jesus? But take heart, my Christian friend, because Jesus has had compassion on you too and on me. Jesus' earthly ministry did lead him to a terrible death on the cross, but even that was his compassion because Jesus saw you and he saw me. He saw us who were too busy, too selfish to be compassionate like him, and he still put his own life aside and gave his love and forgiveness as he died for us. So that now, every sin we are guilty of, including the sin of only living for ourselves or our families, our sin of ignoring, hurting, broken people, our sin of avoiding the lost who are outside our comfort zone, our sin of failing to have compassion on people standing right in front of us. Christ forgave every one of those sins through his death on the cross. Because of his compassion, his selfless love for you, you are entirely and completely forgiven. And as a forgiven child of God, I hope you hear this good news and are reminded that you have the freedom of God's love. You have the grace of Jesus Christ's forgiveness to be compassionate to others around you every single day. So today I encourage you, reread Matthew 14 and focus on the unimaginable compassion Jesus had as he put those people ahead of his own grief. Or better yet, look to the cross and see the overwhelming compassion Jesus had for you and all people as he laid his life aside in order to forgive us of all our sins. Be reminded of what the compassion of Christ looks like. And then reflect on all the ways you have failed to live out that compassion. But also reflect on how you can start showing that compassion to others today. I want to end with one quick story expressing how easy it is to be compassionate even in our crazy world right now. This is a true story. The other day I was stopped at a red light. And across the busy intersection, I could see a man sitting on the corner holding a cardboard sign. There was a row of cars stopped on that side too. Well, about four or five cars back, a person got out of their car, and I recognized it was a church member. They didn't know I was there or that I was watching, but they got out of their car and placed two water bottles down on the sidewalk for the homeless man to come get. This member stayed socially distanced while still having compassion on a man sitting out in the sun. I won't tell you their name, but I was thrilled to see one of my own brothers and sisters in Christ actually living out the compassion of Jesus in such a simple way. I encourage all of you today and every day this week and this month and for the rest of your lives, go be compassionate like Jesus. Amen. Now this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.